Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Massive spiritual awakening. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. This, I, I noticed somebody saying, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you not hearing me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I'm showing a good microphone level. Uh, we are thankful today. We are believing. We are believing the one thing that we should seek after today, the one thing while the ballots are still being counted, while the media has decided things one way, courts are being asked to decide it another way, but for me and you, for me and you, the godly in our midst, we are seeking nothing short of a massive spiritual upheaval in this nation, a great awakening. One word, 400 years ago, this Wednesday, the passengers on the Mayflower signed a compact, stepped ashore into a new world. They came here to worship freely, to lift up their hands and their voices without fear, without oppression, without intimidation, without persecution. So this Wednesday, why not get with two or three or 20 or 30? or 200 or 300, occupy some public space and fill it with praise. Fill it with praise. That's not a right to be taken lightly. So share this with someone. Thank you, Everett, Buddy, Jan, Elaine. Thank you for being a part of this. Join in the quest to keep America free and to keep righteousness in this country. Momentous changes in our nation, but God's still in control. He is in control, and he bids you and me to be fixed. He bids you and me to be unmovable. In our hearts and in our minds, we are built on a firm foundation. And that gives rise to this thought today, arrest the drift. I was reading last week about the currents and changing courses of time and how righteous people should react in such a world. And the author, the author admitted he doesn't know what will happen next in his life. And then he said some words that just touched my heart. He said, the possibility of saving the good things in the world is only that, a possibility. We have to take the chances. We have to set a rock in the earth and to keep this rock steady. I like that. Set a rock in the earth. And with that came back a memory of a verse of scripture, along with something I read many years ago. Had to search around late last night for it, but finally found it. Isaiah said that through God, a person can act as a rock in a weary land. In a desert climate, everything's adrift, but a rock will arrest the drift. Oh, I like that. In describing a righteous person, Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 32 two. Each, each righteous person is going to be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. Get this, get this, that a righteous person, you're like a hiding place from a storm. You're like a stream of water in a dry place. You're like the shade of a great rock in the desert. This inspired prophet is just searching, searching through his mind and spirit to describe the effect a righteous person has on the chaotic, despairing world. And that's the three pictures he comes up with. 
wind, storm, dry place, weary land. That's a suffering world. And then he says, but hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I believe that the righteous people, the righteous people can act as a buffer and as a deterrent and can rise up and influence our world. So Greg, you are a stream in the desert. Yeah, I like that. Jennifer, you are a hiding place from the storm. Everett, you, you, you are like a gigantic boulder placed or great rock in the middle of the desert. George Adams Smith was born in Calcutta in the 19th century. He, his life spanned the 19th, 20th century, became one of the greatest Bible scholars of his day. And when writing about the book of Isaiah, he said something about the passage that I just read. And, and, and let me just share what he observed this. So Adam said, you know, when you look into the east, where the desert touches maybe a river valley or oasis, the sand is in a continual state of drift from the wind. And it is the drift that causes the barrenness in a desert. But if you'll set a rock on the sand, you will see the difference its presence makes. Just after a few showers to the leeward side of that great rock, some blades of grass will spring up. If you have patience, you will in time see a garden. How has the boulder produced this? Simply by arresting the drift. Now, that is exactly how great men benefit life, he wrote. A great man serves his generation by arresting the drift. Deadly forces, blind and fatal as the desert wind, are sweeping down on human history. But into some soul, God has breathed a great breath of freedom, and that man defied nature. What beautiful words. When Isaiah said Saul was the influence of a great person, a righteous person, they're like a boulder, a great rock resting in the land. And in their shade, there is influence, there is life and springs new life into their world. In this, in this one of my favorite passages of scriptures for what if, it suggests visually, because unless we can envision ourselves as being one of these things, we're going to fall short. Put it simply, we can't be what we can't see. Yeah. And I want you to see your life as God meant for it to be. See it in faith, see it in hope. What do you do? When you take a stand, when you take a stand, you stop the shifting sand. You arrest the drift and give possibilities for lives to appear. Oh, praise God. I love that. Would you just share this, follow this, like this? Let's let's jump into drifting, the reality and treachery of drifting. It's in Deuteronomy chapters four and nine. God wonders, God warns his people twice of drifting, Deuteronomy four. Take heed to yourself. Diligent, keep yourself, lest you forget the things you've seen and you depart from your heart all the days of your life. You make sure to teach them to your children, your children's children. Verse 15, take careful heed to yourself. Verse 19, take heed. 23, take heed to yourselves, lest you forget. It's like an echo in a canyon. Take heed. Take careful heed. Take heed. Take careful heed. Why? Why? Because Moses said in Deuteronomy, we forget. And when we forget, we drift. Here's, a, here's some of the things you need to know about drifting. And oh, is it running rampant in our 
desert landscape today. Drifting requires no effort. It's an unconscious process. We drift unawares. And drifting hurts us. It hurts us and it hurts everybody around us. Those who are carried about by every wind of doctrine, Paul said in Ephesians 4, they end up making a shipwreck of their own lives and of others. Most of us are not in danger of going out and doing something crazy. Well, I don't know. After 11 months of pandemic shut-ins, maybe we, I don't know. God help us. Most of us are not apt to plunging into the depths of despair or or darkness, but we are apt to drift. William Newell said it like this, drifting is the quietest, easiest, most delightful way of dying. Drifting. We don't intend to do anything wrong. We just let go of the principles that guide us. We don't plan on hurting anybody. We just stop paying attention to the things that matter. A married couple that drift, they'll soon drift apart. Parents who don't connect with their children in the next generation will see their children drift away. Elders who drift end up isolated and miserable. Youth and young adults who drift will miss opportunities of a lifetime that can never quite be redeemed or recovered. How many times when we make a huge mistake do we hear these words, well, I just wasn't thinking, I I didn't mean for that to happen. That is the danger of the drift. It's unconscious. It's the quietest, easiest, most delightful form of dying, Newell said. Why do we drift? The writer of Hebrews tells us that we are to give the earnest heed to the things that we have learned, lest we drift away. Neglect is one reason we drift. Solomon put it, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. We simply aren't paying attention to the things that matter. And the enemy takes advantage of our neglect. Another reason that we drift is missing anchors. I, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the Wellington River. By the way, I love this story. It's one of the tributaries to the Niagara. And there's a sign posted where the Wellington meets the Niagara. <clears throat> and it reads this. Do you have an anchor? Do you know how to use it? Yeah, because you're going to need it up ahead. Implied in these questions, it's a very clear message. You are headed into dangerous waters. On the Mediterranean Sea, we read of Paul's ill-fated journey, and he'd warned his shipmates, don't you make this journey. You're sailing into an avoidable storm, and finally the storm gets so great, and all they could do was just throw out four anchors and hope for day for hope for day, but people who drift are missing those anchors. They just tossed them overboard. They they let go of them. They don't know how to use them. I, I can think of four anchors real quickly, just off the top of my head, that will arrest the drift. What about truth? Truth will arrest drift. Faith will arrest the drift. It'll fight for you. Prayer will arrest the drift. Godly relationships will do that. There's four for you. Why do we drift? Why do we drift? We drift because we don't have anchors. We drift because we have routines that we don't examine. You and I are creatures of habit, and all those habits are very, very powerful, and they form currents that sweep around us. Those routines, we get in routines that are damaging, things that may not be wrong or harmful in moderate doses, but over time, you know, it's okay to check the news, but you can't live 
in the news. It, it's okay to look at social media, but you can't live in social media because you can get into routines that are destructive, viewing habits, social media habits, work habits. Uh, you're just not really connected to the life above you and around you and within you, and you start to drift. And like other conditions, there are some, some signs of drifting. We begin to diminish in key areas of our lives. Prayer grows silent. The study of the word of God, it gets dusty. Godly fellowship gets rusty. Our witness, the light grows dim. A bushel basket goes over it. Our love for God diminishes, and we're increasingly thrilled by the things of the world. A question that must be answered, and I think only you and I can answer it for ourselves. Are we drifting? Are we drifting? If you come up with a conclusion, maybe, then let me give you three ways to arrest the drift in the closing few minutes of this devotion. Three three ways. The first is you have to recognize, awaken to the time that we're living in. Jesus faulted the religious leaders of his day because they didn't know the day of their visitation. Awaken to what's happening around us. Here, I, I believe this. I believe this. Deborah Trenton, Don Vashti. Here's what I believe. I believe that the only reason God has not given America the awakening that we seek is not enough believers are yet awakened. Yeah, they're drifting, going with the flow. To arrest the drift, a drifter must awaken to the danger of the world around them and what's happening in our lives. We need more and more believers to awaken to the fact that God's wanting to do something in our day. I don't want to miss the time of my visitation. That's what Jesus called it when he came the first time, the time of my visitation. God is on the move in our world. We are living in the greatest day ever. And the first step to arresting the drift is to awaken to the moment and see what God is doing. Second is you got to fight. You've got to resist the drift. You have to fight against the course of this world. You could follow the course of this world easily, but you've got to fight it like a salmon swimming upstream. You're going to have to fight past the boulders and the the waterfalls and the bears and all of the threats. So many currents in our world today. The three Ps, the popularity, prestige, pride of life is flowing today. All of the isms, the modernism, rationalism, skepticism, humanism, secularism, oh, they're attacked. Worldliness is attacking the church. Peer pressure, threat of conformity, on and on. You've got to fight. You've got to resist. You've got to go against the tide. You, you, to be a rock in a weary land, you've got to be fixed and say, I'm going to fight these desert winds. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. If there is a message that is coming through loud and clear in our world today, let me see if I can articulate it. It's this. Resistance is futile. Yeah. That's what the world is saying. That's what the media is saying. That's what uh, leftists are saying and so-called progressivists are saying. Resistance is futile. And the enemy is trying to tell us we can't stop him. We can't do anything about what's going on in this world today. It's going downhill and there's nothing that can stop it. Folks, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. Dr. John Stott uh, was considered the framer of the evangelical movement of the 20th century. His last words, 
His last words to a question answered, what should I do? What choice should I make in life? He said this, do the hard thing. Don't take the road most easily followed. Don't make the easy decision. Don't take uh, the path of least resistance. Don't seek the applause of the crowd uh, that will get you where you need to go. It's doing the hard thing that's going to get us there. One of my favorite scriptures is, is rendered as such in the NIV, Titus 2, for the grace of God has appeared that, uh, that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what's good. So what I get from this is the resist. Learn by God's grace to say no. Say no to the enemy lies. Say no to the fears, Leah. Say no to the fears. Say no to the addictions. Say no to the the drift, Uh, Michael. Say no. But here's the important thing. Submit yourself. This is number three. Submit yourself to God. Awaken to the day. Resist the flow. And then three, submit yourself to God. You see, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Notice that. Submit to God. That's what James said. And then resist. And that's the order. For in our submission to God, we are given the power to resist the things of this world. With God's help, you and I in the 21st century, in the year of 2020, we can arrest the drift and be the people that we need to be. Hiding place a shelter from wind and storm, streams of water in a dry place, the shade of a great rock in the desert that arrests the drift and permits life to bring. You know, I I just believe, I believe, I believe God is able to turn a sundial back and turn them back 10 degrees. I believe God is able to give us more years in this nation. We need a little more time. We need the door propped open a little longer because there's still some prodigals that need to come home. There are still some cold and lukewarm saints that need to stir themselves and come back. And you and I, we are the rocks in this land and we have the authority and we have the power to resist and arrest the drift in our lives. I want you just to take a moment Take a moment and say, I want to be that great boulder, that great rock in the desert. I want to arrest the drift. I want to be unmovable, unshakable in this day that we're living in. I want to see the glory of God moving in this land in 2020, and I believe we can. So remember, this Wednesday, 400th anniversary of a handful of people landing on these shores saying, we're going to build a place where we can worship freely. Get out of the corner. Get out of the closet of prayer. Get outside of the four walls and go lift up your hands and magnify God and say, we're going to worship God freely. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Look forward to seeing you again tomorrow in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, 
please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give. 